Well, two weeks ago, I launched a, a new series called Grace and Peace. Everybody say Grace and Peace. And then last week, um, of course, with uh, my daughter's wedding, I was not here. And uh, Pastor Mike ministered, and I got to say, he did a fabulous job teaching on, on mercy. Thank you so much. And so I'm picking back up in a series, so I've got a little bit of review to do, and I was considering how to review. And um, actually, somebody helped me a little bit. Um, a little seven-year-old boy, uh, Nathan Epperson, his mom sent us his notes. He took notes uh, two weeks ago in series. We're just going to use Nathan's notes today, and we got we got him up on the screen here to show you here. So number one. Uh, he said that God is at church. So can we get an amen on that? Nathan. All right. And then number two, I have a God that knows my name. And number three, we get grace and peace from God. And number four, God, our father gives us G and P. Come on. Come on. Little shorthand there. The guy's with it. And number five, you have grace and peace in your heart. So thank you, Nathan. We're all up to speed now, I think. Huh? <laughs> there are three, uh, I call them biggies. That's a theological term. Three big themes in the New Testament. Grace, mercy, and peace. And I'm looking at grace and peace. Had Pastor Mike share with you some about mercy last week. Grace is the dominant theme. And we have to pay attention to something. That grace and peace are coupled and emphasized, strategically placed throughout the New Testament 36 times. There is no other coupling like this found. Older New Testament quite like this. And here it is concentrated, strategically placed in just about all of the epistles or the pastoral letters. Those were letters that were were written to be read in the churches that were all over the place. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But there's a reason why this grace and peace is included in this way. And we want to explore it a little bit. Um, Most of the time it is written in the exact same phrasing. We'll just pick up one of them this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. And it says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you read that with me this morning? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's, it's a greeting, but it's more than a greeting. Historically, traditionally, the Jews would greet each other with shalom, um, and that was peace. It has to do with well-being, a sense of, of wholeness. And then the Greeks had charis, uh, which is um, the word that we get character and charisma and some other things like that. And it had to do with grace. And so you have a new breed now on the planet as a result of the resurrection of Jesus and the birth of the church. You've got a new breed and so it's no longer just Jew and Greek or really non-Jew. Now you have a, another new breed of Christian. And the merging comes to place here of grace and peace and actually reverse their traditional order. And so you have grace and peace and it's a uniquely Christian greeting. 
But it's not just a light greeting. We, we treat our greetings kind of like, hey, hey, sup, no, nah, you know. We, we, just, we just treat it just really light or we really put on, hi, and how are you today? And sometimes I want to say, fine, but you really don't care. You know, and, and we, don't, we don't handle greetings sometimes. I, I, I don't know why we're just that way. And, and let me suggest to you that maybe we slow down a little. And maybe we are a little more heartfelt how we greet one another. How are you? Good to see you. You know, and if it's somebody you're not glad to see, don't tell them you're glad to see them. God bless you. You know, or whatever it would be. But it's more than a greeting. It's included and it's emphasized in Scripture. And this is what we know about Scripture, that all Scripture is inspired by God. So there's something about this. I believe, and we're, we're going to lead toward this later in the message today. I believe the Holy Spirit has an incredible purpose, a special purpose of why he coupled this some 36 times in scripture, strategically placed it, made sure it was in all the epistles. Why did this happen? And we're going to kind of lead toward that today. Part of it is it's infused with really deep theological meaning. And we're going to try to dig down into that a little bit, but, um, I want us to look at the purpose of this. And part of it, when we declare, when you write, when you say to anybody, grace and peace. And when you say it in these terms, and when you say it heartfelt, what you're saying to them is, I desire for you. I wish for you. I, I so want for you that you would experience the entire range. Follow this. The entire range of divine help and blessing. And wouldn't you want to say that to somebody you loved and cared about? Don't you actually want, I want that, I want that for my family. I want that for the young bloods. I, I want grace and peace for all of you. I want you, y'all, y'all here? I want you to experience the entire range of divine help and blessing. Can I ask you, is there anybody here that needs some divine help and blessing? And wouldn't you like to experience the whole range of that? And I think it's a wonderful, incredible, um, when heartfelt and done in the right way, this incredible greeting to write or to say, you know, that I want you to experience that grace and peace. And that's what, that's what that carries with it. Everything, you know, I want you to notice this. The source, first of all, is it's from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all are real quiet. Y'all good? Y'all just, you're just listening really good, aren't you? All right, good. Grace and peace from God, our Father. Notice that, our Father. There's a connection. It's not just God, but it's God, our Father. And not just Jesus. I was looking at a sports page a couple weeks ago, and there's several Jesuses that play Major League Baseball. It's true. I saw it in the paper. But, um. And I'm sure those guys are awesome, but you know what? They don't have the peace that I need. So grace from God, our father, there's a connection there. And the Lord, you give him a place of rule in your life. The Lord, Jesus Christ. Here's the issue source. And can I, let me just stop and meddle here just a moment. Everything's about source. Everything's about source. If you find yourself worrying and fearful about provision and peace and, and protection and things like that, can I, can I tell you, you have a source issue. You have a source issue. 
You know, if you're looking to the government or somebody else to provide, you've got a source issue. God has to be your source. You hear me? God has to be your source. And, and he, you know, he has unlimited resources. He can make anything happen for you. He can take care of you. It's all good news. I'm telling you here today. Okay. He can take care of you. He needs to be the source of your life. You want to have a little less fear, a little less worry, concern, and so forth in your life. You need to get centered up on this, that God is your source. And I think the beginning place of making that happen is you tell him that. The God, I'm a part of all these other things and I participate in the economy and I do this and I work hard and I do that. But you are my source. And I think you need to make that heart connection and that mind connection with God as well. That You're my source. You're my source. And I'm not cussing here, but come hell or high water. God is able to take care of you. I said, God is able to take care of you. He's seen it all before. He sees ahead. He can take care of you. No matter where you are, no matter who you are, God is able if God is your source. And it's important for you that you get that connection right. And when it comes to grace and peace, again, source is very important because you cannot, you will not find grace and peace anywhere else other than God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know how I know that we can't find it anywhere else because we've all looked. I would say among all of us, we've probably looked everywhere. We found some cheap fakes, didn't we? We found some substitutes, some counterfeits. Uh, we, we've looked everywhere. Some of you have looked in some things repeatedly and we cannot find grace and peace. Come on. Y'all need to get in this message with me here. We can't find grace and peace. You can't find it here. You've got to get it from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to find it in relationships. You're not going to find it, uh, in activities, in possessions. You're not going to find it in substances. You know, it's not in a bottle. You can't smoke it. You, you can't find grace and peace. And people are frantically looking all over the place. You can't find it except in God. He's the source. Once you find grace, though, peace will come to you. Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. God even calls his, grace, his throne grace. That we may obtain mercy And find grace. Everybody say, find grace. Find grace to help in time of need. And this word find here means that you come upon, to meet with, to obtain, to see. If you go toward God, you're going to see. You'll find, you'll obtain, you'll come upon His grace in your life. But how many of you know that God is so gracious, though, that we've experienced His grace even when we weren't looking for it? Even when we, we weren't even looking to Him, and He's been gracious to all of us. Amen. Now, once you find grace, then peace comes to you. Actually, there's grace, then there's peace. It's like a tree and then fruit. Cause and effect. Source and supply. Grace comes and then peace enters. So I want us to see that grace is first. And we want to explore grace a little bit here this morning. Then I think we're going to better understand peace and some other related things. Let's just, let's just go into some definitions here real quick. Um, and first of all, let me say that in the last few years, my understanding of grace has, 
has just broadened and deepened. I used to think grace was something else. And I want to try to show you today what I really believe the grace of God is. Let's look here in one definition. It says grace is the free, unearned, unmerited, undeserved love and favor of God extended to us. Get that. The absence of deserving or earning or cost or, or anything else. We're, we're undeserving. We don't deserve his grace. Let's close in prayer. Hey, I've been in churches before. That's how they kind of close the service. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. Let's pray. There's a good news part of this. Okay. We don't deserve it, but yet he has given it to us. Uh, Then in one of my reference works here on grace, it digs a little deeper and it says this, follow this carefully here. It says grace is the absolutely free expression of the loving kindness of God to men finding its only motive. Watch this finding its only motive in the bounty and benevolence of the giver. Now I'll read it again. The absolutely free expression of the loving kindness of God to men finding its only motive in the bounty and the benevolence of the giver. The only reason grace is happening is because God's so good. Not because we're good. Not because we deserved it. Not because we crossed all our T's and dotted all our I's and got it all right and kept a good attitude the whole time. You know, it's not because of that. The only motive behind grace is the bounty and the benevolence of the giver. That's incredible. We'll fill this out a little bit more as we go. Grace is for all believers. All right, I need y'all to get caught up. This is such an important message. I need y'all to get caught up with me, all right? Grace is for all believers. Any believers here today? Now, you, you may or may not be living with the grace cell. You know, I try to carry emergency money sometime. And I remember for years, I'd either have like a, a, a 50 or something folded up in my, in my wallet. And I'd keep it. And you know, there have been times where I needed it and I forgot I had it. <laughs> Y'all with me? And I can remember early on bumming money off of somebody. I, I got no money. I, I got to make this happen right now. You know, I had it. I forgot I had it. And I see too many believers They have grace. Do you act like you're broke? You act like you don't have it. And so we've got to look at this. Grace is for all believers. And listen to me, not just a special few. It's not just for preachers. And you know what? I actually bristle a little bit when people say, yeah, well, preachers have lots of grace and favor and everything goes good for preachers. You have no idea. There is a grace that goes with a call, but you know what? I have to live this out just like you live it out. Whoa. I'll preach down here. See what I mean? And not, 
not only do I have to live it out, I got to live it out in front of you. But I, I kind of, I kind of bristle at times when people think preachers have some special exemption. Hey, angels don't bring me hot tea in the morning. They don't clear out the way and say, no problems, no temptation, no nothing. Clear it out. Preachers come through. Hardly. Grace is for all believers. Not just a special few. I read about a children's church worker. I kind of like it down here. I read about a children's church worker was getting set up for service and went to this cabinet to get some supplies and is locked. And there's a combination lock, didn't know what to do. All of a sudden the pastor comes down the hall and said, can I help you with anything? Pastor, I can't get in here, the combination, I got to get some things out. And the pastor said, all right, see if I can help you. So the pastor gets the lock and puts his hand on the dial, just looks for a moment. And then he casts his eyes heavenward smiles, works the combination and opens up. And the children's church worker just goes, see, see why, why won't God do things like that for me? And the pastor said, the numbers are written on the ceiling. Okay. So all of us, listen, all of us need his grace and all of us need his peace. Amen. All right. Need to get one of those warning tracks. All right. Grace. And there's some things that I'm really coming to see in the last few years. And then just some lights have come on for me even in the last week or so. Grace is not really a substance. Grace is not really just a thing. It's not some things that we collect. It's not an event. Grace is God's nature. It's one of the moral attributes of God. It is his mindset. It is his disposition towards us. Can I use this word? It's his attitude towards us. Grace is God's attitude towards us. That though we don't deserve it, and oftentimes we are... Not just don't deserve it. We're just undeserving. And yet his attitude, his bend toward us would be grace to be good to us. In Exodus 34, Moses is saying, okay, I know you're sending me, but who can I say is sending me? And God describes himself and he says this, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. In Psalm 103, verse 8, it echoes it. And it says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. It's part of the essence. It's part of the core of who God is. It's, it's, it explains why God is the way he is. Listen, we love God because he's been so good to us. He loved us. I have a real hard time with religion always telling you how mad God is and how mean God is. Read the Bible. And get his own description of himself. And yes, I know there's the goodness of God and the severity of God. Just stay on the good side. But we've we've got to understand that God is a good God. In his self-description here, that he's merciful and gracious and abounding in goodness and in truth. 
And that grace, that attitude of God, it expresses itself and it manifests itself in thousands of ways, including peace. In one of my older commentaries, it says this, that grace in action. Listen to this because it's kind of some old wording. Grace in action is seen as boundless love flowing from the Christ event. Boundless love flowing from the Christ event, the cross. Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace are you, are you saved? Here's a couple other verses real quick in Romans 3. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean? We're undeserving. Being justified, follow it with me, being justified freely by what? By grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Titus 2.11, for the grace of God, the what? The attitude of God, the mindset, the nature of God toward us. The grace of God brings salvation, has appeared to all men. Hebrews 2.9 says that by the grace of God, Jesus tasted death for everyone. And so hold on with me here. Grace is God's nature. It's God's disposition. It's God's moral attributes. It's God's mindset, his bend toward you and me. It's God's attitude toward you. If you could only see God's attitude toward you, you'd see it's grace. It's grace. How does God feel about you? God loves you. But we don't understand that because we're still on this side of, but I'm so undeserving. I live with me. I know me. I know my thoughts. And yet God would be so good to you and God would be so good to me. He would go to the cross. Listen to this. Grace explains the work of the cross. There's no other logical reason. There's no other satisfactory explanation that God would love us, that he would send his only son to die in our place on a horrible death, on a horrible cross in our place to liberate us from the captivity of Satan and sin and self and death. There's no other explanation. This does not make sense. No one can explain to you and I why God would love us sinners apart from God. Enemies of God, not even looking to God. Nothing can explain to us. Why would God take his own son and put him on the cross when we deserve to be on the cross? We should. Why would he? There's no explanation for this except grace. God is just disposed toward this. His attitude towards us is to do this. There's no other explanation other than his wonderful nature, his grace. Why would he do all this? You know, if you've ever had somebody be so nice to you, so nice to you and take care of you and help you. And hey, I'll fix that for you. And I'll I'll take care of this for you. And you may turn to somebody and say, why, why are they doing all of this? And somebody who knows them would say this, that's the way they are. And so I want to say to you today, why, why would he put his own son on the cross for me? Why would he do this? Why would he forgive me of my sins? Why would he meet those needs? Why would he send his angels? Why would he send his Holy Spirit? Why would he do all those things for me? Here's the answer. That's the, that's the way he is. That's the way he is. It's the grace of God. In Romans 8, 32, in the message, it says, if God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly 
and freely do for us? Since he didn't spare his own son, which was grace, he will also freely give us whatever else is needed for life and for godliness. Listen to me real quick. If God was going to withhold from you, that's where he would have withheld. He would have withheld his son. But he didn't because of his grace. It's God's nature. It's God's attitude. It's God's graciousness toward us expressed in thousands of ways. And that includes peace. Now, I want to take you back to something um, before we finish here. Remember that the Greek word for grace, the root of it included this. Get this. That which causes joy. Everybody say that. That which causes joy. All right. Now try to put all this together. God's attitude toward you should cause joy. Just the reality that God thinks and feels and acts this way toward you and toward me, that should cause some joy. Y'all, I can stay a long time. The fact that God thinks and feels and acts this way toward me and in his grace, that should cause joy. Augustine, listen, Augustine said this, the Christian, any Christians here today? Says the Christian should be an alleluia from head to toe. And I'm concerned that there's a whole lot of Christians, a whole lot of believers. They're not an alleluia from head to toe. They're missing something that causes joy. And I think it's they've missed something. They're not seeing something about the grace of God. Because by its very definition, at its very root, grace is something that causes joy in believers. Now follow this. Perhaps, and I said earlier that for some reason the Holy Spirit has strategically and consistently put this phrase, grace and peace, in scriptures. And I want you to think about it for a moment. Perhaps the reason he did that, perhaps his purpose in doing that, is to remind all believers that you have every reason to rejoice. I want you to think about when these epistles were originally written. An epistle is a pastoral letter. It was sent by apostles such as Paul, Peter. They were sent out to church leaders and pastors to be read in churches, and they were planting churches like crazy all over the place. The gospel is spreading. Churches are spreading all over the civilized world at that point. And you know what? These were to be read. And the Holy Spirit didn't want just a greeting there. I think the purpose of the Holy Spirit was to let them know, hey guys, no matter what's going on in the world, you have every reason to rejoice. Because when this was being written... Do you know what was going on for the new church and new believers? Do you know why they were being dispersed and the church and gospel were spreading? Persecution. The Roman authorities, religious leaders, insecure emperors, on a couple occasions, insane emperors, Nero. They were being held and used as martyrs in arenas. To go fight gladiators and fight wild beasts. They were at times not held, uh, allowed to hold property. There were times where the decrees were given. Do not do business with them. 
Don't, don't let them buy from you. Don't sell to them. And, and all of this is going on. I mean, this was pretty perilous. Are you hearing me? It's not just, well, Jesus came and now we're all good. I'm telling you what, hell was disrupted. And there was opposition all over the place. And the Holy Spirit said, my word will go forth. Nothing's going to hold back my word. And what I want to get across to all of you, no matter what is going on in the world, is this. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Which is to say, you have every reason to rejoice. And my assignment today, and I feel this, is to call every one of you to start to live in an awareness of God's grace and peace. I'm to call you to live in an awareness of God's grace and peace. And I am to remind you that you, no matter what's going on in the world, you have every reason to rejoice. And we're so quick, but, but what if, and yeah, but, and don't you know, and didn't you hear, and all those things. And listen, grace is greater than all those things. And peace transcends all of those things. And we have every reason to rejoice. Grace and peace are not just nice little words. These are not just nice little words that you cross-stick, cross-stitch in cursive. Or you find on cards with glitter glued on them. These are not just sweet little words. These are powerful words. Grace leading to peace. That peace came out of the cross. Grace, the attitude of God that, yeah, you're undeserving. Yeah, you're broken. Yeah, you even run from me at times. But I love you so much. It's the power behind the cross. And as a result of that comes peace. And it makes an undeniable difference in a life. You, and I want you to listen to me, you are the object of God's grace. You are the recipient of God's peace. And you have every reason to rejoice. And you need to stop. And I'm going to say it. I'm supposed to tell you today. You're to stop thinking and acting and talking. Like you have no grace and peace. Because when you do that. It's like having all the money of the world. Folded up and hidden in your wallet. And walking around like you're broke. And it's worse for you though. Because then you have inflammation in your soul. And you live depressed and sad and irritable and worried. When instead. You. Are the object of his grace. You are the recipient of his peace. And that grace is cause to rejoice no matter what's going on in the world. No matter what's going on in the world, you have every reason to rejoice. So I say to you this morning, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord.